Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. And as a reminder, we stand out of awe and reverence for God and for his holy word. So our scripture reading for today comes from Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Please be seated. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Good morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and uh, it's, it's great to have you here this morning and to be together to spend time um, as, a, as a church. And uh, if you're new, again, as, as has been said, we're very glad that you're here and would love to get to know you and um, get to even share some more about us. Um, on that note, if you are new or you've never heard me preach before, I want to let you know I have a stutter. It'll kind of come in and out as I, as I go, as I, uh, as I preach, and so just want to make sure that you know what, what that is. And, um, and we're going to get into our time here in um, Philippians. We're in the second week of a, a series as we walk through this, uh, this, this summer. We're in um, studying the book of Philippians. Philippians, but I got a, um, a couple things to get into before that, but I see the, the ushers all ready holding all the book Bibles, so we'll do that, um, and then I'll, I'll share some things while they're handing them out. So if you need a copy of God's Word, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, and somebody will get you one. And again, we're in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18 through 30 this morning. Y en español, um, si necesita la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene ningún Biblia, um, um, eso es un regalo a usted uh, de nosotros. Y esta mañana estamos en Filipenses. David, ¿dónde estás? Filipenses. Okay, Filipenses, capítulo uno. That's a fun one to say. I, I had to learn and I kind of second-guessed myself there for a second. I'm going to Guatemala with a group in a couple weeks, so I got to sharpen up, right? And um, we'll share actually a bit about that as we get into it, um, talking about Guatemala. But again, our church partners with a, a ministry there that really does the bulk of uh, the vast majority of the ground level ministry um, there to uh, a lot of specifically kids. It's a mentorship program that impacts entire communities and is really cool. And so we get to go... Um, for two Sundays, I get to take my son, actually, which I'm excited about. And then a group of about 10 of us here from the church are going. Um, so I want to make you aware of something that I wasn't supposed to give this announcement, um, but um, uh, the guy who was is not able to, and, and I'll, I'll share that in a, in a moment. But um, there's something really exciting that, that, that sadly um, I won't give justice to because I don't know as much about. But um, I don't know if you've heard of... Um, uh, a holiday slash celebration called Juneteenth. And um, it, it started, was first celebrated June 19th, 1900. And um, it's to remember um, the emancipation of slavery, um, specifically when it was announced in 
Texas on June 19, 1865, and then um, again first celebrated uh, June 19, 1900. And it's something that, um, candidly, I-, I didn't know much about about what Tucson does with this. And one of our members and l- l- leaders here, Joel Harris, has been a part of the the June um, the Juneteenth um, celebration in remembrance every year. And he was going to come up here and share um, a bunch of information about that. And um, Joel's a good friend of mine, and so kind of uh, I'll do my best to invite and encourage to go and to come with. Um, uh, and just to be totally honest, it's not an easy day for my family to make it work, but um, all the more that's an opportunity and a need to um, make space in our calendars for what matters. And, and um, a couple of us pray together once a week for this congregation and for us to reflect God's multicultural heart, the tapestry of his kingdom. And so I even see someone taking a picture of the dig details there. It goes from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. at the Tucson Convention Center. This is the first time it's being held there in that big venue, and there's lots of different booths and and displays and things, again, to learn, to celebrate, um, to go. And and I just want to commission us as a church to go, okay, to learn. If you've never heard of Juneteenth or you you wonder um, even about Tucson's history and the African-American community and, um, again, have a heart to, to say, God, you're your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, um, then, then I believe this is an, a very practical opportunity for us to um, experience his grace in that way. Uh, amen? Amen means like you're, you're tracking with me and we're in this together. So um, Joel wasn't able to give this announcement because um, he is not feeling well. And um, so I want to pray for Joel right now. This has historically been known as kind of the pastoral prayer is a time in the, in the service to pause and to pray. And just to be honest, we, we talked about this last week um, around the same time of our service when we were praying for one of the members of our church who just lost her mom, um, tragically and suddenly, and they're uh, another one of my very best friends, the same thing this week, has lost his mom, and we have people in our church who are suffering, and um, that same time we were praying, someone else in our church was actually um, l- in the process of going into preterm labor, l- l- and just re- recently lost their their child, and um, before I pause and pray, let me say too, just as a church, this is an opportunity that, that I just want to, though we're grieving this, uh, also to acknowledge God's people being the church. Um, this this couple's in uh, the Paulson's RC, their redemption community, and them and Stephen Collins and Joel, who's now not feeling well himself, and others have really come alongside this, uh, this couple and been there again to weep and grieve with those who are weeping and grieving. So, let me pray for, for these, these people and, and, and ask the Lord again to continue to work among us. Heavenly Father, we need you, and we um, recognize that you will never leave our side um, because of the finished work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit whom he has sent. We are not trying to do this on our own, and yet I confess how much, how quickly, even moment by moment, I slip back into that. Lord, forget that you're, you're there, you're with us. Lord, forget even what life looks like, the grind, the battle. 
um, the, uh, of what it means to be your people living in a broken world, looking ahead to a glorious day when, when, when every tear will be wiped away. And Lord, we, we anticipate that and hope in that and the fulfillment of the, of the promises that you've given us that are meant to shape and orient our lives. And yet we settle for um, a, 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 a kingdom now of this world. And, and then when we get, get rocked, um, we don't know what to do with it. Lord, we don't know what it means to be the family that comes alongside people who are suffering and are in pain. And um, Lord, we, we often reserve this kind of acknowledgement for kind of Mother's Day and Father's Day coming up next week. We, we know we're in a broken world and sometimes f- fatherhood or the absence thereof is painful for many of us. And and yet, this last couple weeks, we've just been in a place of needing to, Lord, to come before you, um, Lord, to recognize our need for you, to, again, um, cry out, Lord Jesus, come. Lord, don't, don't t- tarry. We, we pray that, that you, would, you would return, Jesus, that you would, that you would restore all that has been broken because it's so real. Um, Lord, I again confess that, that, that I can so long to to wanna wanna be like an ostrich and pretend that suffering is not there. And then um, things like these last couple of weeks, Lord, people we love are, are 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 suffering. Some in this room are are suffering and are just exhausted. So Lord, I I pray, we pray. I even encourage right now, church, hold your hands just openly like you're receiving something. Lord, we come with a posture of need, of desperation. Lord, we are poor before you. And we recognize that tangibly and emotionally and spiritually, we need you. Lord, there are marriages, there are parental relationships, there are hopes and dreams, there are job situations, there are very present losses, losses of life that we're so aware of that we're exhausted by. Lord, even as we look at your word and we know we're called to be your people, we pray that through your spirit, you will fill us. Lord, you will lead us moment by moment in what it means to be the people of Jesus, the people of God. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So where we're headed this morning, and um, just to be again totally candid, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see where the spirit takes us. Um, as we can, can continue walking through um, this book of Philippians, the, the big idea specifically this mo- morning is this, is this call to, to, um, t- to live for Christ as a worthy citizen of his kingdom, a worthy citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That's kind of the big idea. And, and specifically, we'll see it broken down in this way. Um, Philippians 1, 18 through 26 is live for Christ. And then uh, the, the second part is worthy of your kingdom calling. And, and this is something that's somewhat of a life m- mantra for the author of this, for the Apostle Paul. Kind of his life mantra is live for Christ. Live for Christ worthy of your kingdom calling. And, and we can hear this kind of, again, is like somewhere out there far off, this kind of big idea, theological term. Well, what does it look like in real practical everyday life? I don't know if you have like a family mantra in your, in your family, something that you just totally straight talk. The first thing that comes to mind is um, Billy Madison. 
Anyone? The Heinies, I know. All the bad 90s movies, um, it's like, I, can rem- I can't remember scripture, but I remember every line from one of those. Well, right, what's the O'Doyle rules? If you know, like that was their family mantra, right? And um, some, okay, I know, I know the more depraved among us by who's chuckling and who knows these movies, but right, O'Doyle rules. In my family, one of the mantras was my dad would say it time and time again when we were around the table, and I just remember this from my time with him, would be keep your pockets full of P's and Q's, right? Like let please and thank you just roll off your tongue. And um, I I, uh, have a friend whose family, their their thing is lay down your rights. That's a more biblical Christ-like one. Lay down your rights. And he says, man, sometimes I get sick of hearing myself say it because you just say it like on repeat, you know, to your kids, right? You're arguing, you're in a tug of war and says, hey, what does it look like for you right now to lay down your rights? And, and he's like, I want to take up my rights right now and, you know, over my kids and exercise this authority. I'm exhausted by saying it. But, you know, the idea is as you say this more and more, and it, is, is it becomes a, a reality. And that's the case for Paul here in the context that he's in. He's suffering, imprisoned, and he's reminding the church, the people of God in Philippi who are experiencing some persecution and some suffering, and and they're about to experience more of it, and he's reminding them what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And he says, listen, live for Christ. Let that shape every aspect of your life. And so with that, We pick up where we left off last week in verse 18 as he's sharing about the suffering he's experiencing and that they will likely continue to experience. He says this, in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So let's pause there and enter into what Paul's going through right now as he talks about this. He's suffering. Okay, it can be easy again to read the Bible and kind of read some words and just think about, again, somewhere out there, right? Like some far off and distant place and, and we don't enter in and we think these are easy. Like the things that he says in a moment when we look at verse 21 and he, right, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We don't understand. He's imprisoned for his faith. He is suffering. All right, um, I'm, uh, and, and I want to, again, pause, especially in light of where our congregation finds ourselves this morning. I want us to hit on a couple things, okay? What do we do with suffering, especially as we encounter it here in God's Word? Um, there's a couple different things, I think, that we need to do. One is I, I want to I speak into the suffering that, that, that we know right now and help us connect with the suffering that Paul is experiencing and is talking about. But then also, I think in order to be true and honest to the text, to God's word, I want to distinguish the suffering he's talking about from some of the sufferings that maybe we're too quick to take on and to associate ourselves with. Okay, so um, first let me say here what he's talking about. 
Paul is specifically experiencing suffering, hear me now, as a result of his specific faith in Jesus. Okay, this is spiritual persecution. He's imprisoned right now because of his proclamation of the good news of Jesus. And that's something that most likely almost all of us in this room haven't experienced. Okay, and, and I think we need to be quick to acknowledge that and not too quick to try to just slap on some version of suffering and try to like identify with Paul, right? And just be like, oh, oh yeah, no, I've experienced that too, right? Like um, I go to a secular university or a secular high school or, you know, whatever, like I, I, I'm, I'm suffering with Paul just like this. And now, um, okay, there are, are types of suffering. Again, I want to I wanna navigate this here for a moment. Um, first, I know we have some youth, I actually got to meet some here this morning, some new, you know, that are in high school or just out of high school and things like that. There is a version of suffering for your faith. I, as I see, there are some teachers here, um, you know, there, that you might experiencing some form of bullying. Maybe, maybe you have a faith in Jesus and you've made that known and so you get um, kind of le le left out of, you don't get a starting position on the sports team or, or, or you don't get maybe brought into a certain group or, um, you know, you, don't, you experience something because of your faith. And that's a version of suffering and a version of persecution that I want to acknowledge and is very real. Very candidly, um, my, my son, I asked him if I could share this. Um, he's experienced that on his sports team. The fact that he wants to walk with Jesus and not part, he's going into middle school next year, not participate in the, in the ways, you know, in the stuff that's being talked about and all the YouTube videos that are being shared and all this. And he doesn't want to participate in that. He's a super social kid. Well, he's kind of taken on this place of being like maybe one of the less social kids on his sports team. And he's like 11, almost 12 years old. And he's already experiencing some of the, the consequences of walking with Jesus. Okay, and I want to grieve with him and encourage him in that. And some of us in this room have experienced that and, and, and even greater kinds of things. And, and let me, again, youth, I, I can see some here. You, there's more to come. All right, I, I, I hate to say, and I know we have some co coaches as well. Maybe, maybe you don't cross the line in coaching and you experience the consequences of that. You don't climb the ladder as much as you, know, you, you would want to because you're, you're doing it the right way. And there, that's a version of suffering. With that, and that said, I want to acknowledge that. I also don't want, to, want us to just now, what we tend to do is copy and paste that and just say, I'm suffering right there with Paul in this same way because I think what it does is it's a disservice to our brothers and sisters in Christ, specifically even right now in this day and age, who are suffering in the same kind of way that he is. Okay, and again, let me just be real here, specifically majority culture, all right, kind of white middle class Americans, me, I'm, I'm one of which, um, we, I think, tend to put ourselves in the posture and the place of suffering way too prematurely. Often we're in a place of, of influence and power and then any challenge to that, all of a su sudden we say we're now suffering. And, and, that's, and that's, just, that's, that's too short and easy and quick and, and, and unbiblical. 
Okay, what, what Paul's experience here and what comes to mind, David Palazuelos, who led here a couple years ago in Guatemala, we were there together. The, the mentor that David got to come alongside that week and caring for the kids um, was getting extorted. His family was getting extorted because of his faith and because he wouldn't participate with the gangs in his community and do certain things. Because he was mentoring these kids, he was getting extorted and, and basically challenged. Hey, um, your family, this is graphic, okay, I'm sorry, but I don't, like your family might get mutilated with a machete if you don't compromise your faith and start doing things our way. Okay, the, 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 the mentor that I get to come alongside in a couple weeks in Guatemala is a pastor and his, the call, the gospel, all right, and, and my sermon's getting all jumbled here, so we'll just go with it, all right? Um, I had a neat, pretty outline and sometimes that's not the way God wants us to go, amen? Um, so I'm just, I'm with you right now, okay? The blind, leading the blind right now. Spirit, lead us. So um, the pastor I get to come alongside right now, he is a pastor at a church and he's also mentoring these kids that are in the most terrible situations we could imagine, okay? Seven, eight-year-old kids that have seen awful, horrific things that are being um, recruited to join gangs. And so what this ministry, Champions in Action, does is they come alongside these kids and they, and they, had, to, they had to move the age from being like 12 and 13 to 18. They had to move it down to be like eight and nine to like 13 because by you know 12 or 13, it's too late. So this pastor is like, okay, I wanna invest. I, I believe Jesus, amen. I believe his call to, to disciple, to pour into to, to the least and the, the lost and the, the last of these, to the people that unless I pursue them, unless like Jesus, I don't sit far off, but I move toward the pain, unless I enter in and incarnate and live among the brokenness, th there's no hope. These people are, 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 are lost causes if you will. So I'm going to move toward that. And well, the church didn't like that. They didn't like the riffraff of society uh, worshiping alongside them, if you will. It was, it, was, it was uncomfortable. I pray this is a prophetic call to us as a church. All right, I pray that we hear this right now, that the Holy Spirit reminds us as, as, as Lord willing, he leads us to be the church he's calling us into, that when it starts to get uncomfortable, right, when people who are experiencing homelessness come and, and worship alongside us, that, that we remember right now where he has us. And, and as it gets uncomfortable, we remember, do we really want to be the, the, the church or do we want to be our, our own thing, something else? Do we want our kingdom to come and our will to be done? So this guy in Guatemala um, basically is now a pastor without a church because the church was not comfortable with uh, the people he was pursuing and bringing to church. And the church said, you know, we don't really like this direction we're going. It's, it's not as safe and comfortable and neat and tidy. So, um, you know, it's kind of you need to stop. And he said, I I'm not going to stop. Um, and so they said, well, you need to find a new church. He was fired, and now he's planting a church, and he is likely going from thousands to few, but he's being faithful. That, that's suffering. So what do we do with this? Okay, um, as I said earlier, and I want to acknowledge, the suffering you're experiencing, the suffering within our church is real. And so first, 
what do we do with that? We, as we said, we, we weep with those who are weeping. We grieve with those who are grieving. We don't slap theological platitudes in a vacuum and just say, oh, God works all things together for good. Just do we say that? Yes. Do we embody that? Yes. Do we believe that and pray in light of that truth? Yes. But do we do it so we can just kind of make ourselves feel comfortable and then get away from the discomfort as quickly as possible? No. Okay, again, we have people in our church who have been grieving and weeping with and just sitting silently and holding hands with people who are suffering. We do that. And then what about the suffering that we see in Philippians? It's specifically because of the gospel of Jesus. What do we do in our context right now? Hear me, what we don't do, right? I'll get to the don't before the do. What do we not do? We don't just try to take a shortcut and try to pretend like we're experiencing that exact same kind of suffering. All right, we don't just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I get that. Guys in Guatemala, same thing here, man. Like sometimes my boss like avoids me because I have a, a, a Jesus um, fish on my coffee mug and I think I'm getting persecuted. I'm, I'm with you, dude, like right there standing with you. No, right? we, don't, we don't pretend like we're experiencing the exact same thing. All right, but, but we, 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 we open our eyes, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are experiencing this kind of suffering, this kind of persecution. All right, we, we move toward emotionally, if we can't physically, emotionally, spiritually, prayerfully, we recognize that today people are suffering in the same kind of way that Paul is. And Paul knows, now back to here, Paul knows that this church is experiencing this and, and is going to experience it more. So he wants to prepare them. He wants to bring them out of their delusion and into reality of what it means to be a follower of Jesus uh, amidst persecution. Okay, so what do we do? We pray for. We learn about. We sign up for um, different News letters. We 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 get books that 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 um that are are put out by different different publishing groups and things where, they, where we can read about the church around the world and the millions of followers of Jesus who are experiencing this kind of suffering. And so Paul then says, well, now this is how I'm walking through it. This is what my life while suffering looks like. Verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall not choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Con convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Again, let me be real here among us. I bet many of us have memorized this verse. I bet many of us have, have, uh, have it maybe even tattooed somewhere on us or again on a coffee mug or written out somewhere. It's like, and we envision it as to live is Christ, to die is gain in my prayer closet or under a, you know, 
willow tree somewhere in the shade while I'm journaling and sipping on tea. And, um, you know, really, like this is where that verse really speaks to me. That's not Paul's reality. Hear me. We, again, we are acquainted with death right now as a congregation. And most of our understanding, the way we live our everyday lives, is that death is kind of a a consolation, heaven one day. Man, how do I lead through this right now? We, we think that this is the best there is to come. And, and let's be real. We live our lives as though um, the, the under the willow tree, those moments is the best. And so we functionally, practically live our lives protecting that. And we know that death and suffering in some form is inevitable, that we will die, right? Death and taxes, right, are the only things we can't avoid. So we, we kind of protect ourselves in this moment from entering into that because we think that heaven, Jesus, is a consolation. Not for Paul. It's the prize. It's, man, I long for that. I'm just going to be straight. I think Paul... I think Paul might be experiencing some suicidal ideations here. I don't think he's going to follow through with it. I don't think he's, he's going through, he's going to take his own life. But we can't, we can't play church right now and, and try, to, try to keep it clean and neat and be like, oh, this isn't, he's not really suffering. That's just, he's in his, in his prayer closet. No, he's saying, I want to be home. I want to be with Jesus I saw him briefly on that road. He met me. He called me. He changed my life, and I longed to be with him. This life is tough. It's painful. It's exhausting. It's a life of service. It's a life of death. When he says to live is Christ, it's not to be comfortable and air-conditioned and singing worship songs with my hands raised. He means to live the life of Christ, to constantly leave comfort. Okay, Philippians 2 is coming. To constantly leave comfort and privilege and move toward pain, move toward suffering. And that's what he says. He says, listen, I want to be there. To die is gain. I long for that day. But I know that right now for your sake, God has me here. And that means to live is Christ. That means to live is the life that Christ lived. That means to live a life that is marching toward pain and discomfort and self-sacrifice and not my will, but your will, Father. Okay, to live is Christ and to die is gain means whatever, if I'm here, Jesus, it's for you and your will. Again, not my will come, not my kingdom, but your kingdom. So what does that look like again for us in our context? I'm going to draw the connection back to this Juneteenth celebration coming up on Saturday. Again, I think us, we as majority culture here, live lives where we recite the Lord's Prayer. We say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the way we tend to live is as long as I'm experiencing fruits of your kingdom, Lord Jesus, then I'm cool with that. I'm content with that. And so for me to live as Christ is as long as things are pretty comfortable right now for me and I'm continuing on, my version of living for Christ is, hey, I get to experiencing 
uh, to experience the, the kingdom of, of comfort and, and privilege and joy and freedom and celebration right now. So I'm going to kind of keep the blinders on and try to just protect this situation right now so I don't have to experience any discomfort out there. And I think and am convicted that, that Paul's charge and exhortation, listen, live or die for Christ. Understand that one day the gain is coming. And so in light of that hope, live right now and live all of life all for Jesus and open your eyes and recognize where the kingdom of heaven is not coming to bear in the world around us. Move toward discomfort and to live as Christ means to acknowledge what privilege and power do I have that though everything in me, my flesh, wants to protect it and preserve it, if I'm truly going to live for Christ, it means I'm going to give that up. I'm going to trust the Spirit to open my eyes and to move me in closer proximity to pain. I'm going to learn from the places that um, I don't want to learn from because they're uncomfortable, because they challenge me. Because they maybe recognize that I participate in systems of injustice. Maybe they're going to they're gonna move me toward people who, who make me uncomfortable or unsafe. So church, I know this is heavy right now, but when, when we sit under the exhortation of not only Paul, but our heavenly father, Lord Jesus, risen from the dead. And if we're ever going to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, I think we have to recognize where he's actually calling us to live as worthy citizens of his kingdom, which means that we live lives of service, of other-centeredness, of self-sacrifice, the life of Christ. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. And Paul's not holding any punches here. So what does it mean to live as a worthy citizen of his kingdom? Verse 27, he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Okay, verse 27, if you're taking notes or you've been kind of tracking along through Philippians here, verse 27 is kind of the thesis sentence for this whole letter. Okay, now some of you guys might, if you were paying attention last week, right, I said that like the central harmony, like the, the kind of uh, the, the central chorus, if you will, of Philippians is next week, right? is chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. That's a big idea, which is called the hymn of Christ or the, or the song of Jesus, um, which is about right Jesus giving up his privilege and taking on the form of a servant, even the point of death on a cross, right? So I'm not doing the pastor thing in every sermon, like this is it. This is the whole idea, okay? It's sort of always the case, all right? Like it's all, if it's about Jesus and how all of life is found in and through him and his life, death, and resurrection, which Lord willing, every sermon comes back to, then that's the big idea, all right? But um, the, the centerpiece of Philippians is chapter two, verses five through 11, and every, everything flows into and flows out of that. That said, textually, Author, um, as an author, 
Paul is writing where this is like his thesis sentence because the, what he's saying is essentially this. Live as worthy citizens. Let your life be worthy of the gospel. Well, how do you do that? What, what is the gospel? Well, he's building up to it. Again, everything's flowing into because there's this need. Well, how, Paul? How do I live as a worthy citizen of the kingdom of heaven, of the gospel of Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked. Come back next week. No, he's like, right, if you're reading through this, building up to, beginning in verse five, we'll have this mind among you, which is yours and only yours in Jesus Christ. And then here's the gospel. He laid down his life and took on the form of a servant. Okay, so I just want us to connect the dots here with the whole letter. Okay, let your life be worthy as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. The recipients of this letter, I think really similarly to us today, had a strong sense of nationalism, of civic duty, all right, of when the national anthem is played, you stand, you take off your hat, you put your hand over your heart. Remember, as we said last week, these people, the Philippian church lives in a very proud Roman colony. There are tons of retired military um, Roman soldiers in this place. And so they understood civic duty. And what Paul is saying is he's tapping into something because this idea was, I'm a citizen of the greatest society ever in the history of the world, right? Does that sound familiar? Some of us would say that today. Does this sound uncomfortable, church? Right, and Paul is reminding them. He's kind of holding their nose in it to some degree and saying, listen, you live your life. And he's not saying don't honor your government, right? Jesus said, right, give to Caesar that which is Caesar's. Pay your taxes, right? Respect the authorities over you. Live as a citizen of whatever kingdom of this earth you're a part of. But, but also he's calling out, but confessionally and functionally, do you act as though that's the, the most significant civilization or kingdom you're a part of? Is your Roman identity greater than your identity as a follower of Jesus? Church, is your civic duty as a citizen of the United States of America more significant than your call to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. All right, I, you guys, know, my grandfather is a, was a Pearl Harbor survivor. He wrote a little book. I have a picture saved of him at Annapolis Naval Academy with the flag waving behind him, and I, I love it. I, I love my family history. And I'll just be honest with you guys. You can see there, we intentionally as a church, and we might lose people, and that's okay, we remove the American flag that's usually hanging there because we meet in a school and we remove that when we're here gathered as the people of God. Not because we want to forget where we are, right? My kids recite the national anthem, the Pledge of Allegiance in English and in Spanish at the school where they go and we stand and we honor, but we also need to be clear to not, to not get the two lines blurred and to think all of a sudden that this is a time where we gather as the people of God and we recognize we are citizens, we have a king who shares his authority and his throne with no one. And his vision includes 
the United States of America, includes us, includes Tucson, Arizona, includes majority culture, okay? It's not less than, it's more. And I think we, pro, we are prone to think it's less than, we're prone to settle for a lesser kingdom. And so the call here is, listen, if you're gonna say again, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, live as worthy citizens of the kingdom of heaven, which is still to come and, and recognize where you're tempted to settle. I think the, the application is very closely connected between the Philippian church living in a proud Roman civilization to you and me today. And so the question is, what does it look like to live or die for Christ as a worthy citizen of his kingdom? And this last part here, I'm just going to read through it. I've got a football shirt on, Tucson High Football. My friend Gary helps coach there, and he gave me this shirt. And I, love, I didn't even go there, by the way. Some of you, Joe Jewell, who went to Saguaro with me, is shaking his head at me. But hey, right? It's a, I'm proud of Tucson. So that, there's kind of a coaching element here when Paul is ending this and he says, listen, stand firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side. Okay, there's a communal, a, a, a communal element here that he is charging. He's saying, how do you reflect the kingdom of heaven? How do you represent the gospel? How do you live for Christ as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Will you do it together? You reflect the reconciling gospel of Jesus Christ who came to, to bring, who says, I am, I am reconciling all things. I am making all things new. So there's this, do it side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and of that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. I don't know if you've ever seen Rocky, but there's this flashback he has of Mickey. Man, I want to recite it to you, but he cusses. And I've said enough things this morning. I'll probably get in big trouble if I start cussing up here but Mickey Rocky's trainer gives him this charge he says get up right you're gonna get knocked down it's gonna be difficult again for us right now we need to recognize what I believe I genuinely believe we as leaders of a church here believe that God is leading us into even more difficult places as a church that we're gonna be challenged to make decisions again to be formed as a community of his people that's gonna be challenging and the message, the call is live for Christ, not in a vacuum, not in a prayer, in a prayer closet, but, but live a life of suffering and of self-sacrifice, not in your own strength, but because he has lived by the power of his gospel, because he has given up his rights and has descended and has made himself a servant and has died on a cross taking on shame, and then has risen from the dead victoriously and given you a new citizenship, a new identity. Live in light of that. Live for or die for Christ. Worthy of your citizenship as members of the kingdom of heaven. And understand it's going to take some grit. It's going to be difficult. You're going to suffer. 
your brothers and sisters are going to suffer. Don't move away from it. Don't hide from it. Engage with it. Pray for it. And I think where we all find ourselves this morning as we close is aware of our desperate need for his hope, his gospel, his spirit to empower us to be the people of God who live for Christ as worthy citizens of his kingdom. Amen? Let's pray together. Again, Heavenly Father, we need you. We need your grace. We need your good news. We need your spirit. Lord, we need your rebuke, your correction. Lord, we, we need you to save us from settling. So, Lord Jesus, we are, are now come humbly before you as, as, as clay to be molded into your people. In Jesus' name, amen.